1: Thank you for listening to the Martinis and the Macabre podcast. This show contains graphic content and explicit language and is intended for adults. Listener discretion is advised. jolly christmas it's the best time of the year i can't go that low my voice doesn't do that
0: <laughs> well lucky for you i have hair in funny places and i think a lot about girls let me try it's the best time of the year how's that
1: sure it works i don't know the rest of the words i don't either yeah i, I, I that sounded okay <laughs> it's it all right
0: it's not tony bennett but we'll get there
1: with some voice acting coaches and thousands and thousands of hours you might just be the next American Idol
0: it's during the holiday season that Michael Buble comes out of his cave out of you know hibernation and puts out another album with Christina Aguilera
1: yeah sounds about right
0: I pre-ordered it
1: Ooh.
0: I pre-ordered it
1: get out <laughs> <laughs> no response huh
0: bye <laughs>
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome... I just haven't moved out yet. (laughs) (laughs) Shut up. Hi, guys. Welcome to Martinis and the Macabre, the podcast where we drunkenly discuss morbid murders, mysteries, and mayhem. Thank you for joining our special Christmas episode. I am your host, Erica, and I'm joined by my husband and working on his singing abilities, Billy...
0: Also, I don't want to leave anybody out, so happy holidays, happy Hanukkah, and have a joyous Kwanzaa. If there's anything else I missed, fuck, I missed it, sorry.
1: Fucking have a good time. Yeah. There you go. Have fun. In this house, we say Merry Christmas, but whatever.
0: If you come in and say happy Hanukkah, I'd, I'd be like, thanks, dude. Because you took a second to fucking say something nice to me. And which i better be like, did you see our
1: Christmas tree right which, over there?
0: Which you it's... better fucking do if you're in my house. You better say something fucking nice to me.
1: <laughs> I would expect anyone that comes into this house to say something nice. Like, oh, you have furniture. Yay.
0: If they come in, like, you guys look like a bunch of bitches. I'd be like, motherfucker.
1: Get the fuck out. Alright, so um, I've uh, <laughs> managed to wrangle up a Pretty serious Christmas episode here involving um, the week of Christmas in 1987 when in Dover, Arkansas, there was a different kind of gift giving that took place. The gift of death.
0: Murder and such.
1: Murder. Ronald Gene Simmons got mad when somebody
0: walked into his house and said, you guys look like a bunch of bitches and he just took it out on fucking everybody. Maybe. Was that right? Did I crack the code?
1: Maybe. Hmm. And we're not talking Gene Simmons from Kiss here. We're talking Ronald Gene Simmons. who From killed Arkansas. From Arkansas, who killed 16 people and wounded several others over a six-day period, beginning and ending around Christmas.
0: Wait, there were 16 people in his house? No. Okay, because if they were in his house, I'd be like, I kind of get it. <laughs> All right. <laughs>
1: There were a lot of them in his house, but some of them weren't. Okay,
0: well, let's not judge too quickly, then.
1: It's actually considered the largest family slaughter in U.S. history.
0: Can I cut in real quick? Sure. Uh, listeners, I just want to let you know now, you're probably going to hear our dog snoring. She, she is sawing logs. She's getting pretty loud. And she might start dreaming where she does at...
1: <laughs> it's like she heard you.
0: She's like a potato sack with a pink collar. (sniffs) Okay, go ahead.
1: Now she's not breathing at all. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah. If you hear everything tip over, that means I ran over frantically to check on her.
1: (laughs) So, yeah, Ronald Gene Simmons killed 16 people. And uh, that last day, calmly waited on the police to arrive and arrest him after shooting his last victim. Merry Christmas.
0: Well, it's not like he'd run. I'm sure that many people, he was probably tuckered.
1: Actually, he, he probably could have taken off, and they wouldn't have been none the wiser.
0: But. You know what's crazy is when you said that, and I started talking, and you might be able to hear it on this episode, is when you said, Merry Christmas, Nugget, and they're saying, God bless everyone. He heard us through the door.
1: <laughs> so, a little bit about Ronald Gene Simmons. He was born on July 15th of 1940 to parents Loretta and William in Chicago. the Bears. Uh, beers. When he was just two and a half years old, his father died of a stroke. In less than a year, his mother remarried to a man named William D. Griffin. So, he went from one William to another.
0: In less than a year.
1: In less than a year. Damn. He was a civil engineer for the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, which meant that the whole family had to move around a lot while Ronald was growing up. And they eventually ended up in Little Rock, Arkansas in 1946. On September 15th of 1957, at age 17, Ronald dropped out of school to join the U.S. Navy. His first duty station was Naval Station Bremerton in Washington, which is where he met and fell in love with Bersabe Rebecca Ulibari. Sure. And I'm pretty sure that's how it's pronounced because I looked it up. Bursabe, Bersabe. B-E-R-S-A-B-E. Bersabe. Bersabe was how it was pronounced. How I looked it up.
0: I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah. I'm just making sounds with my mouth.
1: But she went by Becky. So thank, all that's moot. Thank God.
0: <laughs> yeah, me people talk to her like, uh, yes. Uh, let's see here. According to your paperwork, Bersabe Bersabe early early or, Becky Sabi? just Becky
1: Rebecca Yuleberry. Hmm.
0: Dang, her parents hated her. <laughs>
1: The two were married in New Mexico on July 9th of 1960, and the couple would have seven children together during their marriage, Ronald Jr., who went by Jean, Loretta, Eddie, Mary Ann, Rebecca, Billy, and Sheila. Ronald discharged from the Navy in 1963 and then joined the Air Force two years later. He was like, fuck you guys, I'm going to the Air Force, Woo! So, yeah, so he joined the Air Force just two years after getting out of the Navy because he was like, fuck this civilian life. It's weird. Well,
0: I guess back then you could, you know, just drop out of school and go. I don't know if you could do that anymore. I think you at least have to have a GED. I don't know. To join. I don't know. I already had a high school diploma, so
1: I didn't ask. Good for you. Great job. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) Thanks for graduating. Okay, thanks. (laughs) I didn't show up. He didn't.
0: I had to go and get He my.
1: came to my graduation <laughs> and he didn't go to his own. <laughs> we graduated the same year. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, fuck it. I'm cool. I went to one. That's fine. I have
1: pictures of him with me in my cap and gown. That's it.
0: Nary a picture of me <laughs> with mine on. Never even bought it.
1: Yep. That was about it.
0: I really loved weed back then. I was just like, I'm not fucking going. <laughs> as soon as the bell rings, I'm done. Wow. Show up at another fucking place wearing a cap and gown. Fuck it. You. you can't tell me what to do no more. <laughs> I'm free.
1: You're not my dad. (laughs) Shut up. So, uh, Ronald ended up making a career out of the military. He stayed in 20 years and retired on November 30th of 1979 as a master sergeant. Does that seem reasonable? Yeah. For 20 years? Master
0: sergeant? Sure. Sure, because like in the army you have, you go from sergeant to staff sergeant to sergeant first class, but sergeant first class, that's pretty much picked by like congress like you have to pass the department of the army and all that stuff to even get elected to that then master sergeant then if you get a command you're a first sergeant and then from there sergeant major and command sergeant major so he's a senior institute that's high up
1: so he did pretty fucking good yeah that's not bad
0: well how many years
1: 20
0: yeah he did fucking what he was supposed to do if you if you go 20 years and you're not a master sergeant you probably should have just worked at
1: and i don't know if you switch branches of the military do they give you like Time and service credit. Some did, or... but I think
0: the mar- the Marines don't. If you go from any branch to the Marines, you have to actually go through boot camp again. Really? Yeah, because their boot camp is a lot harder. It's harder than the Army. It's a lot more hardcore training. So you start from the beginning again. But if you go, but if you go from like the Marines to the Army, I think your shit carries over.
1: Hmm. So it could be wrong. I don't know if he had two years out. If that would make a difference or not.
0: You probably have – yeah, no. um Like, if you go – if you're out two years and whatever branch you're going into, if I'm not mistaken, especially maybe maybe Heather and out I think she's Air Force, but I think you have to go – you don't go to boot camp per se. You go to, like, already enlisted boot camp, you know, like Like a, an
1: AIT? No, like a refresher.
0: Again? You get a refresher course type of thing, and then you, you – get, like,
1: a fast track.
0: Yeah, yeah, you get a crash course. Like, okay, in case you forgot, this is how you salute – you know, <laughs> that type of shit.
1: I'm not even in the fucking military and I've how to salute. <laughs> they do it so wrong in movies. So fucking wrong. I yell
0: at so many kids at Walmart that are in ROTC. <laughs> and they got their, their cap on and you'll hear me from like one out over I'm like, take your fucking head off. <laughs> <laughs> Fix your hair. <laughs> They're like high school kids. I like, Fuck it. Get them now. Get them young
1: they got to learn. Teach them right. Okay,
0: let's go. Let's start off All topic. right.
1: So, uh, Ronald, in addition to being in for 20 years, was a Vietnam vet. And he had been awarded the Air Force Ribbon for Excellent Markmanship, the Republic of Vietnam Gallantry Cross. Wow, she's really making a lot of noise over there. sage. <laughs> and a Bronze Star Medal.
0: That's good.
1: Sounds like an honorable man, right?
0: That's what my um, platoon sergeant got. Yeah, out of Iraq, got got a bronze star.
1: Well, here's where I hit you with the bad stuff. All right. Yeah.
0: Actually, he got two, because he did two tours. He did two tours in Iraq. Each tour, he got a bronze star.
1: Damn. Yeah. So does that equal out to like one silver?
0: No, never. But (laughs) to be honest, I think most platoon sergeants walked out with a bronze star. I'm not saying he didn't do anything bad or anything. It was just they all kind of walked out with one.
1: Are you comfortable yet, Sage? She couldn't be happier than a pig and shit.
0: You continue. I'm going to get her a treat. <laughs> I'm going to get her a treat so she'll stop.
1: You smoking. just want to avoid the bad stuff.
0: <laughs> I know. I feel bad. People died. Say, do want treat?
1: Well, before all that, when uh, Ronald's daughter Sheila was 15, Ronald began sexually abusing her. That's right. I a treat? And he soon began choosing her for sex rather than his wife. Sheila got pregnant I could not find anything in the sources that verified whether his wife Becky was aware of all this but one could assume she was probably at least suspicious of what was going on but uh, Sheila's teachers began to suspect the truth about Sheila's pregnancy after seeing Ronald giving her more than friendly kisses and they alerted the authorities where they lived in Cloudcroft New Mexico.
0: Can't be necking in the parking lot bro.
1: Yeah not with your dad (laughs)
0: <laughs> I know I'm trying to make light of this because I'm trying to find like the f- the funny side of was like all right well do you got your lunch
1: yeah I got I,
0: I got my lunch okay now I'll be here to pick you up just don't be late and be where we went, be where we went. you know uh, stranger danger let's not forget okay spit in my mouth <laughs> oh my god <laughs> and the teachers are like what the fuck
1: was that <laughs> that's not normal
0: you know how like the teachers are standing together and one's like call the police like if that happened one of the teachers would be like I'm calling the police <laughs> they don't have to tell you like alright I'll be in the office calling yeah, the yeah
1: I'm gonna take care of this with a little quickie phone call <laughs> Sheila ended up giving birth to a baby girl in 1981 at the age of 17 and she ended up naming her daughter Sylvia
0: if any of you guys were you know older than us when was this 1980
1: well right now we're in 1981
0: okay That's when I was born. I wasn't that kid, but
1: you weren't a little girl named Sylvia.
0: I don't think the tests aren't back yet. But anybody who was like an adult or something around that time that's listening, let us know. It's seventeen giving birth. Is that is that considered like scandalous? Mm. Nowadays, to be honest, it's kind of the norm. But which is sad. Back then, would it be like, oh my god, can you believe she got pregnant? She's only seventeen. Or are they She's like...
1: She's only 17. Or do you think
0: they did that?
1: 17.
0: No. The singer of Winger had the best teeth I've ever seen in my fucking life. <laughs> you
1: want to compliment his teeth?
0: Have you seen... Have you
1: seen his hair?
0: Have you seen his teeth?
1: Have you seen his hair?
0: His hair was majestic.
1: It, it was on point.
0: Those teeth were fucking insane. <laughs> They're all even... White and I was like God. You take care of that. He had braces. Or will be like a motherfucker. Probably. All right. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> so yeah. So she gives but birth. But no.
0: If that's something they would have spoke about in your town in 1981, just let us know.
1: Yeah. So she has this baby. It's a daughter named Sylvia. By now, Ronald was already being investigated for sexual abuse of his own daughter and fathering her child. And he was charged with three counts of incest after Sheila testified to a grand jury that he was the father of Sylvia. Because, you know, you're in court, you take an oath, you kind of can't lie. So she kind of had to spill the beans. But before Ronald could actually be arrested and brought to trial, he decided to pack the family up and they fled to Arkansas, ending up in Dover by the summer of 1983.
0: Uh. <laughs> All right, take your boxes up to your rooms. Don't tell anybody I fucked you. Just go up to the room, please, and unpack the shit.
1: Take daughter or granddaughter up there.
0: <laughs> go unpack your shit. Don't let me pack your shit now. I said it awful. <laughs> That's awful. I'm sorry. But
1: for some reason, it was only her. Like, I didn't find that any of the other females were abused by him. Just Sheila. He had a thing with Sheila. I don't know why. I don't want to know. Poor, anyway.
0: Poor girl. Poor daughter that was born. That's your...
1: (sighs) Daughter-granddaughter. Yeah. Takes us back to the incest episode. That
0: should have been... No, that shouldn't have been on there because there's a lot more to this shit.
1: Yeah. Well, the family purchased a 13-acre plot of land that would later be dubbed Mockingbird Hill. They named their land.
0: I always wanted to do that.
1: Name your land.
0: Yep. And we have a little house... With a front yard and a backyard, and that's about it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I—that was pretty stupid because every house has that.
1: Not necessarily.
0: Yeah, we got a front yard and backyard, and everybody listening is like, "That's pretty fucking norm, Billy." People have front yards and backyards. You just not like not you if have... you're
1: like living in a well. I'm saying, urban... I, don't, I, don't, I don't
0: have a courtyard, so I want to name this place Jones a garden, Manor,
1: as they would over the pond. Jones Manor. Jones Manor.
0: Yeah, and we're in Indiana, so. We're kind of close to the whole Kentucky-Tennessee thing, so I want to get it lacquered, burnt wood, and hang it over the door. Outside, not inside. Inside, we know. Out there, so they know.
1: <laughs> yeah, you don't have to teach us. We catch on pretty quick in this household.
0: Jones Manor, established. It's two words. Yeah. I think
1: we can learn that. Yeah. Thanks for having faith in us. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I got to put it inside if you want.
1: So they moved into this 13-acre plot of land named Mockingbird Hill. But their home was two older mobile homes kind of haphazardly joined together in a makeshift double-wide. Real fancy, huh? There was no working plumbing, no AC or heat, and no phone lines. I
0: have family members
1: that live like that. So you have money to buy all this land, but no utilities.
0: You know, there are people like that. Like um, the wealthy end of our town, something, something village. Actually, it's not even that great no more. Drugs. They kind of took over. Really? But, yeah. But you would see all these beautiful houses and stuff. If you go in there, like my mom can attest to it because she used to help design houses and stuff and mm-hmm. she would come in and check all that shit, you know? Yeah, like they'd have like, beautiful houses, like, like damn near mansions, right? You know what I'm talking about.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't call them mansions.
0: Some of them are pretty damn big. Some of them are gorgeous.
1: Some, but that's not the norm. I'm, not, I'm
0: not saying the norm. I'm saying houses that are big and expensive. Mm-hmm. And um, But you go in there and it's like Goodwill Furniture, uh, the cheapest food you can find because of that reason. They just plugged all their money into that house. They can't afford anything else right now.
1: Well my God, don't buy the full thirteen acres, buy ten.
0: Yeah, I mean it's have a le- some
1: money to spare.
0: <laughs> it's a lesson learned.
1: Put in a fucking toilet.
0: I'd rather have an average house with a tanning bed inside than a beautiful <laughs> house and a lawn chair for a couch. In a fucking
1: outhouse. Yeah. Yeah, that it doesn't make sense to me, but they lived in this janky double wide with no utilities, and the property was surrounded with a makeshift privacy fence. That the family kind of threw together in a hodgepodge of concrete blocks and barbed wire.
0: Now, you see, because of that, now we have the whole Pinterest page about stuff you could do with pallets. And that's where it came from.
1: But it was concrete blocks and barbed wire. Well, you got to Surrounding Mockingbird Hill.
0: Yeah. Mockingbird Hill with a shitter.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. This is one of those places, like, as a parent, when your kid says, I want to go visit so-and-so at Mockingbird Hill, you're like, fucking... No, no, no.
0: Yeah, like yeah, like at the first time you're like, ooh, okay, yeah. And then like this and then they come home and they're like, Mom, my head itches really bad and they have lice and you're like, Okay, well Mockingbird Hills is off the list. Yeah, now we're gonna
1: mark that one right off. <laughs> Old rusted vehicles and a sort of junk line the yard. did I even need to say that? I mean I
0: kinda picture it. Yeah.
1: And no trespassing signs dotted each side of the long red clay drive leading up to the house. It's a picture of beauty, isn't it? Or is that what you're seeing in your head right now? Beauty.
0: You know what I'm saying? Is they have like this all this janky shit, and they have the no trespassing signs. I bet you the guns are like state of the art, brand fucking new because their priorities are oh,
1: guaranteed. Up. With him being a 20 year military man, I
0: bet you he's like the best scopes and optics. He's got night vision and stuff, <laughs> but they're eating ramen. <laughs> Finish up your hamburger helper. Hot who's dog on the, soup. Who's on the next one? Yeah, finish up your hot dog soup. Who's next on watch?
1: And for those of you that don't know, hot dog soup is the water that you boil the hot dogs in. If you don't That's know what it.
0: it is, then you don't know the struggle.
1: Yeah, the struggle is real. Dude, there's a, there's
0: a hot dog martini. And it's oh. the grossest thing I've ever fucking seen in my life.
1: Well, has it got a little frank in it or something?
0: Yes, yeah, that too. On a toothpick. But the uh, the water used to mix in it is hot dog water. Oh. With gin. Oh, it's that's the fucking, worst. It's awful. I don't
1: like gin anyway, but then hot dogs and trees?
0: It's so gross. Ew. And it's, like, lined with, um... Don't I,
1: do it, guys. Don't do it.
0: I think, like, instead of, like, dipping the rim in salt, they dip it in, like, mustard.
1: Ugh. It's just...
0: It's the it's awful. And when I first saw it, I was like, is this a fucking joke?
1: That's the worst.
0: Yeah. That's just... No, thank Ew. you. Ew.
1: Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No. And they're like... Tax
0: somebody you think would like this and I saw like nobody I saw like two million views and like two shares. Everybody's <laughs> like, no, fuck no.
1: Well, uh Ronald worked at a series of low paying jobs in nearby Russellville, and locals described him as a recluse. A friend of his daughter, Loretta, would later be quoted as saying, quote, he had a beer in his hand at all times. Oh shit. He had a little room he would stay in all the time. It was dark and seemed spooky, and it stunk. End quote. That reminds me of somebody. It sounds about right. The house, the, it smells like they have cats, but they don't have cats. It
0: smells like they have cats, but I bet there's no cats. <laughs> the house that always smells like soup, but you know they're not eating soup all the time.
1: It's a foreign food that you can't quite place.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you're like, why does it smell like French onion dip every time I'm in here? <laughs>
1: So he reportedly ran the household with a lot of strict rules, being a military man. I kind of expect that. But
0: before you go to bed, have your ballpark hot dog teeny.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Although his wife Becky could drive, he wouldn't let her. And she wasn't allowed to leave the house without him unless she was doing laundry because he couldn't be bothered with that. No way. It would later be reported that she was often seen with bruises on her face and arms, though no one thought it was important enough To report at the time. Because that's their business. Yeah. Heaven forbid you watch out for your fellow man.
0: Yep. That's where that whole... I'm glad this whole, like, if you see something, say something thing is going on. Because, you know, I'm sure back then they were like, well, I bet there's two sides to every story. You know, that's how you... Yeah, I mean,
1: kids fall down and get bruised up all the time. So if I see a kid with a couple bruises on his leg, I'm not going to automatically think, child abuse. But if a woman comes around with bruises on her you know, arms and black eyes. Hmm. There might be some abuse going on. Maybe I should say something, at least to her.
0: I am guilty of kind of letting that shit go because of the town we live in. I see bruises and shit. And I think meth,
1: <laughs> but something still had to happen to them to cause the trauma causing the bruise.
0: I'm fucking falling down the steps after doing meth and I'm not making excuses. I'm being totally fucking honest. Like I see that shit a lot and I'm like, yeah, math. You can tell by looking.
1: I kind of understand because I did fall down once when I was incredibly drunk on some gravel and totally fucked my glasses up, scraped up my eye. So, yeah, I could see that.
0: And see, what's crazy is if someone's like, what happened? You'd be like, I fell. And they're like, oh, sure. You know, it's like. Where's your glasses? It did no, happen. seriously,
1: I fell and I fucked my glasses up. And I searched and searched for the lens that popped out. And couldn't find it. I had to get whole new glasses because I got drunk. True story. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... Not something that I'm proud of, but it was only one time, and I fucked up my glasses so bad, I lost the fucking lens. <laughs> it's like when Nugget
0: fell and busted his eye.
1: Oh, on Thanksgiving? On
0: Thanksgiving, when I drove him to school, I'm like, this is it. This is fucking it. They're going to think I fucking beat the brakes <laughs> off this kid.
1: Poor kid on Thanksgiving morning. He's in his room. I think we talked about it on an yeah. episode, yeah. And falls and busts his eye on the door on Thanksgiving morning and we're like, We have to go to the families like this. Yeah.
0: Dinners tonight. <laughs> yeah. And we're gonna have to go with a kid who literally has a bloody eye <laughs> talking about he fell down.
1: Yeah. Bad shit.
0: You know, it'd been easier just to just be like, what happened to him? He didn't clean his fucking room. <laughs> you know? Like, oh.
1: Billy had a lot to drink and he was having a bad day. <laughs> I kept pushing him and he snapped, but it's kind of my fault. <laughs> so, on top of all this, the kids weren't allowed to socialize or to even go to church. When they would get home from school, they were made to do chores until dark. Usually hauling firewood or rocks, like from one end of Mockingbird Hill to the other end. Just cuz. Just cuz. Just okay.
0: Firewood I get. Rocks. The fuck are you doing with rocks?
1: You gotta get them out of that clay driveway. Making the terrain too rough. Move those fucking rocks.
0: Make sure Erica's drunk ass don't fall and bust her fucking yeah. face on those rocks. I apparently. could fall
1: on those and injure my face. My beautiful face. Get
0: those rocks out of there, guys.
1: <laughs> Enough with the rocks already, guys. Their school bus driver was actually quoted as saying... Goddamn, they're fucked up. <laughs> he worked them like a general. And there was a rumor that the kids even had to dig a four-foot, which is about 1.2 meters, deep ditch in the yard that he said was going to be the cesspit for a new outpa- outhouse, you oh. know, since they didn't have plumbing.
0: I thought, like, he would revert back and be like, we gotta get in this when Charlie comes or some shit.
1: <laughs> no, know. no. Evidently they had to dig this four foot ditch for shit.
0: I get it. Yeah, I've done it.
1: (laughs) But school officials uh, stated that the children were clean and punctual and they never really had any disciplinary actions in school. Yeah, because they had the wrath of their dad when they went home if they did something fucked up. That's one thing my mom always said about her growing up. It's like you didn't do stuff for the fear of what your dad would do to you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Break out the belt shit.
0: Yeah, we, we we always thought before, and like I was like that growing up, because I knew my grandma, God rest her, would, she'd tune me up, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's not like, I'm being good because I respect you, Mr. Teacher. It's, I'm being good because I could really get injured. She could really put the hurt on yeah. me if I tell you to fuck yourself.
1: Yeah, because I, I wasn't there, I don't know, but I've heard some stories about my grandpa and kids getting in trouble that, like, holy shit. He would so be behind bars these days.
0: Then I got paddled in school, and I was just like, you know, fuck it. Just keep your mouth shut all around. There's just no fucking point. Do you know that same principal had a gun pulled on him? What for? Um, Paddled a student without asking for the teacher or the parent's permission. If he paddled a student, then he paddled a student. That's it. Mm. Smacked his ass so hard that it sent his head into the wall. Ooh. As he went down. And the mother was an off-duty cop. Oh. And she let that shit just go by the wayside, the whole being a cop thing. But she does remember she does have like a 9 millimeter Beretta on her mm-hmm. and pulled a gun on him.
1: When did this happen? I,
0: oh, 80s. This was oh. like, this was a long time ago. Shortly after I was paddled and I was like in second grade. Oh, wow. Yeah. I got paddled for one offense. That's how bad I did.
1: But how many times did you get beat by your mom's shoe in the back seat of the car?
0: She was good. <laughs> She would, She had those canvas shoes. She had the kids.
1: <laughs> it's smack.
0: And she would do a thing where she could like drive but look in the rear view and judge. And she knew She can judge the trajectory. She she knew like <laughs> when when to flick when to flick the heel. Uh-huh. You know, and keep on the gas and watch for signs and shit. It was amazing. I kinda respect I kinda respect it now. That's like some fucking <laughs> Matrix shit. Like she was able to fucking bullet time my ass. <sighs> but yeah, See,
1: I was an only child until I was eight. So if I had done anything bad, which I didn't really, it would have been direct aim. If I was the only one there.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I could be in the back seat with my with my older sister. You know, this was before my younger sister came along, and Sarah would just unscathed. She'd be fine, and she would do the thing where she has to curl up and flatten up against mm-hmm. the fucking She'd door. She just sit
1: back and watch. She'll just
0: sit there and look at me and like, God damn, she is getting you. <laughs> She is. I felt the wind. I felt the wind on that one by my face. Oh God, look at you. It's turning purple. Ah, shut the fuck up next time, Billy. The whole time she I'm like, ah, sweet baby Ray, you stop. <laughs> what was great was one time I walked home from kindergarten, and Grandma got me, mm-hmm. and she paddled my ass with a whittled wood she got from Tennessee. She tuned me up, Sarah. Thought it was just a great time. Sarah was supposed to make sure I got on the bus. Mm-hmm. Who was next? Fucking <laughs> <and> Sarah. <laughs> and we're both sitting on our beds going. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: Sarah didn't escape that one. Huh? <laughs> it was the look on her face
0: when Grandma turned around and held that paddle like a fucking samurai. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah, just that face like, oh, shit.
1: I could see your grandma making that face. <laughs>
0: she was like, you little
1: asshole. <laughs> <laughs> just go to town.
0: A lot of people died in this story, so yeah, let's go ahead and lot. keep going. <laughs> well, by
1: 1987, the three oldest children had left the homestead to start their own lives. Sheila had even married a man named Dennis... Who, good man, knew the truth about Sylvia and decided to adopt her, even though he knew she was the product from the dad and the daughter. Hats off to him. Yeah. Good he was on like, him. No, I'm not only going to marry you, I'm going to adopt your child. So that's great. Billy had married as well a woman named Renata. And by this point, Ronald's wife, Becky, had come to despise her husband and had been saving up money to try to get out. She wrote to her son, Billy, in a letter, quote, I don't want to live the rest of my life with Dad. I am a prisoner here, and the kids too. Every time I think of freedom, I went out as soon as possible, End quote. This letter was sent to Billy just days before the family was supposed to gather for Christmas, probably about the time Ronald suddenly quit the job he had been at for a year and a half as a clerk at the Sinclair Mini Mart on December 18th of 1987. You see, by this point, Ronald had decided to kill his entire family. Because, why not?
0: He had already made that decision.
1: Yeah. He was like, you know, I need a change in my life. I'm going to quit this job and kill my family. That's what I need. A (laughs) Um, new direction.
0: He had a weird-ass bucket list. Yeah. Quit the mini-mart, check. Kill my family. What time is it? Not yet.
1: Not yet. We're going to wait this one out. It's coming. They're all supposed to come around. I will eventually get them all.
0: I gestured looking at my watch.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Fine watch, isn't it? It's
0: about $200. You're welcome. Thank you. It's an early Christmas gift. Oh, SwoleOclock.com. Best fucking watches I've ever seen in my entire life. Check them out and buy one. And if anybody works for com, please sponsor us so I could get more free watches.
1: (laughs) Most expensive watch I've ever owned is like a fossil watch. Which is, yeah, they're great watches, but they're only like what $75 the most.
0: Yeah, this one's called Jupiter. The one I want is called Alexander, and that's like $400. The one you want, the one I crave. This one is the one I want. The one my, my, yeah, yeah, backtrack,
1: backtrack, motherfucker. My
0: bucket list watch is that one. One I'll save up and get myself. I'm not gonna ask somebody to buy me a fucking $400 watch. No, I'll just put money aside.
1: Yeah. The only reason I have an Apple Watch is because Billy bought it for me. Because there's no way in hell I would spend that much for a watch. But now that I have it, I love it.
0: Ah, oh, fuck me. That's not the most expensive watch. Mine's not the most expensive. Yours is. Yep. Yours, yours was.
1: I did not ask for it.
0: You love it. But I love it. So he was going to kill his family. He made the decision.
1: Yeah. Okay. So no definitive motive has ever been determined for what Ronald did the week of Christmas in 1987. But on the morning of December 22nd, Ronald went to a nearby Walmart, of course, and purchased a 22 caliber handgun, then returned home. Which I would have assumed he already had guns in the house, but I'm guessing not. If he had to go to Walmart and get one,
0: it's weird they had a handgun at Walmart. This is 1980s something. Yeah. You know? this is before he it became just a super walked center. Walked in and
1: was like, "Hey, give me a gun," and they didn't, you know, have you wait two weeks for a background check or anything. They're like, "Okay, here's a handgun, a 22." You know,
0: not to get all political. I'm all second amendment all the way, but I also do believe that you shouldn't go into a store or a gun gun show and walk out with a gun. No. You should I think you should have a permit to carry a shotgun or a rifle. There
1: should I be a mandatory waiting period. Uh, there
0: is a man- there is a rate waiting yeah. period for that. Well Which not, I, I'm not the saying, gun show. Not I'm, the gun show.
1: But I think it should be. There
0: should be. That gun show thing should just be cut out.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You shouldn't have a gun flea market. That's fucking weird. But
1: Yeah, it's not a show. Yeah. It's a sale,
0: but yeah, if you have a, like, if if a cop comes in my house and sees my pistol, like Do you have a permit for that? Yes, it's right here. You know, and like they see a shotgun, you have a permit for that? It's right here. You should have documentation for everything. Yeah, that's a weird loophole.
1: But I you agree. totally
0: should, if you want to own a gun. Yeah. Yep.
1: All Absolutely.
0: for it. You have, <laughs> you're more you have, you have every right to protect yourself, but you should have documentation for it.
1: Yeah. Only Ronald's wife, Rebecca, his eldest son, Gene, who was 29 and was visiting at the time. And a three-year-old named Barbara were home. And I've read conflicting information from different sources about Barbara's relationship. Some of them referred to her as a daughter and some referred to her as a granddaughter. Any
0: more we don't know because...
1: (laughs) I would assume since... Sheila was out of the household and she was kind of the object of his desire. She's not from Sheila. I wouldn't think it would be from Rebecca because at this point she had to at least be in her 40s or 50s. So I would assume since Jean was visiting that maybe this was his daughter and she's actually a granddaughter. But like I said, I couldn't find any definitive verification as to her relationship
0: decide whether or not to cut this out but you think maybe he like tried to get with any of the other daughters or whatever and when he just couldn't you know perform he's like you're not her you're not shit. it's get off possible,
1: me get out of here because i'm sure as as soon as sheila turned 18 she was probably out that fucking door
0: he probably like sat and like did that, did that whole like broken heart love story rom-com fucking montage where he's like looking out the window it's fall he's looking at the leaves in the outhouse and he's like all the things I should have said I never said
1: (laughs) (sighs) Oh, time gets away from you it really does you know (laughs) and That time when she
0: fell down and hurt her leg, when she was like six, instead of being like, oh my god, that ass, I should have been <laughs> like,
1: are you okay? And I didn't oh god. do it. my <laughs> It could have been. I don't know.
0: Now she's with another man
1: out somewhere else. <laughs> with my baby. <laughs> whoring around.
0: Oh god, that's awful.
1: <laughs> so the school-age children were still in school that day, so it was just... Rebecca, his son Gene, and potential granddaughter, three-year-old Barbara. The kids Barbara. Were in school
0: and they were quite a shit. Just <laughs> looking down like, oh, Jesus Christ, I hate my life.
1: Well, this is where Ronald Gene Simmons would begin his slaughter. No one can know for certain exactly what happened at Mockingbird Hill during those few days. But investigators believe the first to be murdered... Uh, were probably the ones at the house that day, starting with Ronald's son, Jean, as he would have probably been the biggest physical threat. Jean was bludgeoned and shot with a pistol in the head. Ronald's wife, Becky, would receive the same death, bludgeoned and shot. And then three-year-old Barbara was strangled to death. You what? Know, what?
0: This kind of goes back to the, the the whole gun conversation we just had. It was determined he killed... What's his name? Gene? Whoever? Ronald Gene Simmons. Okay. Because he was the biggest threat. Okay.
1: Oh, the son's name was Gene. Gene. And
0: not... He was Ronald
1: Gene Jr., but he went by Gene. Not
0: taking away from what happened or anything, but that fact still remains. He was the biggest threat. You have to get rid of your biggest threat first. So, I spoke to a cop one time about, you know, owning a gun. And I was like, I don't know if I should go with open carry... If I should go with concealed, and he said, "Dude, go with concealed." He says, "I've come across so many people, especially Walmart, who just have a piece of iron hanging off their hip for everybody to fucking see." And I said, "Well, they're probably doing that just so they know, you know, the buck As stops a here. Yeah. You know, the buck stops here. No funny business type of thing." He mm-hmm. said, "Yeah, that's true." He said, "But if I wanted to walk in there and start like a mass shooting, guess who I'm aiming at." Mm -hmm. I'm aiming at the guy that has the gun showing.
1: Or you're reaching for the gun. Or
0: you're reaching for it. You know, he's like, if you go in there, no matter how crazy you are, no matter how deranged you are, you are going to go for your closest, biggest threat and eliminate that first. So if you go in there to cause any harm, you're going to look at the guy who has a Glock hanging off of him. You're going to hit him first. So I encourage anybody, if you ever get a carry permit, make it concealed. Make it so... Whoever is going to do somebody harm doesn't know you have one,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: then you can get at the. the You've got that. You have the, you have you have an upper.
1: You got the jump on him
0: You got the jump on him But taking out the sun because he's the big. You can't hide your big. So fuck. He, that, I can't yeah. help with that one. Just reminded me of that though.
1: And of course, that's just what they assume. And I would think that Ronald would probably have assumed that too. He's going to be the biggest threat because. You know, if you go for the, the mom or the granddaughter, the son's going to jump in and be like, no, that's my mom or that's my daughter. He'll or, charge you. Yeah. So, most likely, Gene went down first and then Becky. And then, of course, once they were out of the way, the three-year-old. Ugh. Yeah.
0: All right, now it's a mini minisode. Go. <laughs> Shut
1: up. So, once the deed was done, Ronald took a beer break. Because, you know, we all need those little refresher moments throughout the day. Reflect on things, and be like, okay, that went pretty well.
0: Hmm. You gotta get off your feet.
1: Gotta choke down some beer and be like, all right.
0: All right, so let me Heart just way there. get my list and <laughs> check.
1: When a break,
0: <laughs> check, beer break.
1: Check. Yeah. When break time was done, he dumped the bodies into the cesspit that he had made the children dig. And it's not known that if he had planned for it to be used for the bodies from the beginning or if the beer break just gave him a good idea on how to solve his I've got all these dead bodies and I don't know what to do problem.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you ever murder a family and just don't know what to do and you see that B-roll footage of somebody dropping a lot of pans because uh-huh. that's in those commercials. <laughs> look, they put no f- their
1: hands on their hips.
0: Look no further. Make your kid dig their grave. Yeah. Now, from... Better the industries comes the shovel made by astronauts who were in NASA. Take this shovel, you put it in the ground, and what comes up is ground. And then you move the ground, and now the ground's lower. <laughs> Just shove those bodies in there, and you can see him, like flip a fucking kid in there, and he's like, "Thanks, the blah, blah,
1: blah, industries." <laughs> I'm sure he probably saw one of those, and he was like. Hey, that's a good idea. That's how you do it. That's how you do it. Once the bodies were dumped, Ronald waited for his four school-age children to get off the bus when school let out. So, he had a really long beer break then.
0: Probably three beer breaks.
1: When they arrived that afternoon, he informed them that he had Christmas presents to give them. But he wanted to give them to each of them separately. He sent the three younger children to the rooms and took 17-year-old Loretta to the rain barrel they had outside of the property. And I actually saw in one of my sources, somebody was like, a rain barrel? What's that? It's a barrel that catches rain. It's not that hard to decipher. Well,
0: nowadays it's illegal to even own one. So people who I don't know what it is. Really? Yeah, you're not allowed to collect rainwater. Why? I have no idea. Maybe because it's not treated with the right chemicals and whatever to make it potable. But yeah, people have been, people have gotten in trouble for collecting rainwater. Like survivalists or whatever mm-hmm. shit, you know? Yeah, they can't collect rainwater.
1: Yeah, they didn't have working plumbing. So where else were they going to get water? They put a fucking barrel outside and they collected rainwater. But that's what a rain barrel is. If by some chance that person that wrote that is listening, which is probably not likely, but that's what a rain barrel you are is. You're high. <laughs> You Hi. catch rain in a barrel. Dumbass. <laughs> so, you know, uh, that's
0: why, you know, if, if he's like, oh, that's a shit bucket. What's that? Take a fucking guess what that is. It's, <laughs> a, it's, a, it's a rain for barrel. Shit.
1: <laughs> so Ronald took uh, 17-year-old Loretta back to the rain barrel and began to strangle her and then submerged her head under the water in the rain barrel and held her there until she was dead.
0: Was that the Christmas present?
1: That was the worst game of bobbing for apples ever.
0: For real.
1: For real.
0: There probably weren't even apples in there.
1: <laughs> Not at all. And I was unable to find any crime scene photos or pictures of the property. I wanted to kind of see, good. The, see the layout of the grounds. Ugh, That's good. what I was looking for. To try and find out like where the rain barrel was You know, in correlation to where the children's rooms would have been, because I would think that, you know, they would have heard some type of struggle. I mean, I know if you're getting strangled, you're not going to be able to scream or make much noise, but, you know, some kind of commotion. But I couldn't really find anything other than a rough diagram online. There's, uh, a, like, a rough sketch of the property layout, and it kind of just shows you where the house and the cars and stuff.
0: I believe that But that's died. about
1: it. So... Basically, he proceeded to call the others out one by one and 14 year old Eddie, 11 year old Marianne and eight year old Rebecca were killed the same way. And then he laid them all in the pit with the others lined up next to each other in a row with their heads all facing the same direction. So they were just in a perfect little line in the cesspit. And then for some reason he doused the bodies in kerosene and he would later say that he thought that this would keep odors from coming up from the ground and keep, like scavenger animals away.
0: I can kind of see that. I mean, like, you want to get alcohol off your breath, the first thing you do is you get chapstick. Life hack. You don't drink kerosene? I mean, if you get bored. <laughs> but, like, people people be like, oh, I don't want people to smell you know, alcohol on me, so they'll, like, take a mint toast or they'll chew gum. They're Tic-tac. Not, they're not smelling it on your breath. They're smelling it on your lips. So throw in a Mentos or an Altoid. And then put on chapstick. And then you're damn near in the clear.
1: So, now all of you know how to defeat their first signs of drinking while driving. I never <laughs> said that. Yeah, don't do that, guys. That's very stupid. Billy's little life hack. Pew.
0: Hashtag Billy's life hack.
1: After this, Ronald had to bide his time for four days as the rest of the family wasn't expected to come for the Christmas get-together until December 26th. They were all going to celebrate Christmas with their own families and then come the day after. No one is really sure what he did during this time, but I'm sure it probably involved a lot of beer breaks.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> a lot of beer breaks A lot. involved.
1: At about noon on the 26th, the family started to arrive, and Ronald, of course, was ready and waiting. Nothing had changed his mind in those four days. He was still determined to take them all out. So, from evidence collected, investigators believe Ronald's 23-year-old son, Billy, and Billy's wife, Renata, who was 22, were the first to be shot as they entered the house right inside the door. I'm assuming they've gotten this from blood evidence found, you know, where blood had pooled right inside the door.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So he took them out as soon as they came in, and they had their one-year-old son, Trey, with them, and he was then strangled and drowned as the other children had been. The last of the family arrived less than an hour later. They they were the family that, you know, it's always running late. be late. You, you tell them it's at 11 when it's supposed to be at 12. They'll be like, it's fine. They probably don't even have the table set yet. So... That happened to be 24 year old Sheila, the daughter that Ronald had raped and gotten pregnant. Her husband, 23rd year old Dennis McNutty. McNutty. That's a nutty name. Mm. Why is she even showing up for the Christmas thing? Probably for her mom and the siblings. Still stupid. Nice headband.
0: Yeah, it's pretty hot.
1: Yeah. Billy's wearing my headband, just so you guys know. You can't see it, but it's quite a treat. Mm (laughs) hmm. So it was Sheila, her husband Dennis, Sylvia Gale, which was the six-year-old daughter and granddaughter of Ronald, and 20-month-old Michael, whom Sheila and Dennis had had together. Investigators believe Sheila and Dennis had (laughs) had been shot not long after they came through the door. Sylvia and Michael were then killed by strangulation, though a new source on January 1st, 1988 stated that Sylvia was found face down on a bed and had been suffocated and that she had probably ran to try to hide. But all of the other sources I found claim that all of the victims in this second round of family, including Sylvia, would later be found laid out on the floor in a row, still wearing their coats. So... I'm not sure if maybe this news source and it was an actual news article from a paper if maybe someone just gave them the wrong information or if that's truly where Sylvia was found as she ran off to try and hide. I I don't know. But at least the rest of the family was all laid out in the house. He didn't try and get them back to the ditch in the, the yard. They were all laid out and they still had their coats on, which is what made the investigators think they had to have been shot like as soon as they came in the house. But many sources say Sheila was the exception. That she was laid out on the dining room table with the nicest tablecloth the Simmons owned draped over her, like as if for a funeral viewing. The two toddlers were wrapped in plastic sheeting and taped up. And their bodies were placed into the trunks of abandoned cars on the property. Why, I don't know. But that was his thinking is just tape them up and put them in a car. Then Simmons decided he was going to go out to the bar for a beer break. He went out to the bar to get some drinks. Yeah,
0: stretch your legs. You can't stay cooped up. You get cabin fever, man. So
1: you've managed to knock off your entire family and extended family. What now? Let's go
0: get some beer. Yay! You know what? To be totally fucking honest, I'm not siding with him, but I get it. You know, you go through all that and you're like, fuck man. I need a drink. I need a fucking drink. And I don't have a jukebox. And it's been so long since I used the toilet. (laughs) I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Pretzels! And he just ran.
1: And he probably had to work up to it if everyone in the town thought he was a recluse. He probably didn't go out to the bar very often. This was a special (laughs) occasion.
0: You could do it. You could do it. You can do it. I'm doing it.
1: The evening of the 26th, Ronald returned home from the bar where investigators believe he drank beer, surprise, and watched TV for the next day and a half, all with his family members' corpses still laid out inside the house. He was just, like, hanging out right, you with know. their bodies over there.
0: Step over them and go grab another beer. And yeah. Check out what's going on with that crazy Seinfeld. I don't know what year. No, probably not, but... See what that gang on Night Court's up to, am I right?
1: (laughs) Well, he wasn't done killing.
0: Night Night Court's a good show.
1: He managed to get all the family members, but he still had a few loose ends he wanted to tie up. This was only a breather. So he'd already managed to kill the first batch, and then he waited four days and killed the second batch, and now he still had some people he wanted to make pay. So on the morning of Monday, December 28th, he took his son Gene's brown Toyota Corolla and drove into nearby Russellville. He stopped at Walmart again and purchased a second gun.
0: And a bazooka and a grenade because you could do that at Walmart, I suppose.
1: (laughs) Evidently, within a week's time, he went in and just purchased two handguns and walked out.
0: Which, by the way, they got rid of their ARs at Walmart, Mm -hmm. you know. But they have so many rifles that are much more powerful than an AR ever could be. I think they just did it for PR.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. I'm sure they did. So, armed with these two handguns now, he went to find 24-year-old Kathy Kendrick. Now, Kathy and Ronald had worked together in the past, and Ronald had become infatuated with her. Kathy had turned down his advances numerous times, and witnesses would later say he had recently started harassing her again, and had even shown up at her house several times in the months leading up to the murders. I was like, "You trying to fuck? <laughs> I'm down." So shortly after 10 a.m., Ronald walked into the Peel, Eddie, and Gibbons law firm where Kathy was a secretary. So Kathy was sitting at her desk, and Ronald just walked up, pulled out a gun, and fired numerous shots directly into Kathy's head.
0: Look at it this way. Nobody's going to hit on you no more.
1: (laughs) (laughs) He hit on her in the biggest way.
0: He hit her so hard.
1: (laughs) He hit her with a bullet. A lot of bullets.
0: He kissed her with a lot of bullets.
1: <laughs> yeah. And then without saying a word or harming anyone else, Ronald just left. Witnesses claim that Kathy was bleeding profusely from the head. Oh no shit. Really? But still struggling to breathe. She was still alive. Really? 911 was called at 1017 a.m., But by the time anyone arrived, Kathy was dead, and Ronald was nowhere in sight. Damn, though, she
0: did put up a fight.
1: She she continued living for a couple minutes afterwards.
0: She went out like a trooper.
1: Yeah. Just ten minutes after the first 911 call, at 1027 a.m., another call was placed from the Taylor Oil Company reporting a shooting. 34-year-old J.D., or Jim Chaffin, had been shot and killed. He was a fireman and part-time truck driver for Taylor Oil. 38-year-old Rusty Taylor had been shot in the chest, but was alive. Rusty was not only part of the Taylor Oil Company, but he also owned the Sinclair Mini Mart, where Ronald had worked as a clerk for over a year until quitting just 10 days prior. So basically, this was his boss. Ronald had fired on another employee as well, but the bullet narrowly missed her whizzed through her hair. The whole incident happened in less than a minute, and Ronald was gone just as quickly. By the time the officers arrived, Ronald was already heading up US-64 to the Sinclair Mini Mart, which was only a three-minute drive from Taylor Oil.
0: Sound like you said by the time the officers arrived.
1: By the time the officers arrived...
0: No, go go with it. Just don't let you near a fucking driveway. <laughs>
1: So, both of these shootings, just by themselves, unless someone could physically ID him, I mean, he was there and gone before cops ever even got there. So, at the mini-mart, which was the job he recently quit, Ronald approached 46-year-old Roberta Woolley at a cash register, pulled out a pistol, and shot her twice at close range. The manager, 38-year-old David Salier, grabbed a chair and threw it at Ronald who then turned towards David and fired. David was hit, but he was alive. But before Ronald could shoot him again, a friend of David's, who just happened to be in the store at the time, ducked behind some groceries and began hurling cans of Coke at Ronald. Way to go, guys. (laughs) Which actually drove him off. He was just like, take that. (laughs) Hurling them like grenades. You're a fucking dick. Can you imagine this they crash and spray and the fizz and oh that'd be a mess what
0: if, what if that's what drove him away who's like I'm gonna get sticky as shit yeah
1: that would turn me away I'd be like no I can't do this it's
0: on my hands I have to go wash my hands uh, it's icky it's icky yeah. ew no yeah there's there's some <laughs> pet peeves I have that's one of them
1: yeah I can't I can't do it nope. So rest that-
0: assured we're not gonna go on a fucking shooting spree there might be a chance of a fucking <laughs> mountain dew can hitting us <laughs>
1: I would run if coke cans were being we would drop the gun and be like ew <laughs> it <just ran. laughs> It's gross, You. <ew. laughs> so, Tell the cops to
0: show up a hand sanitizer, please.
1: <laughs> so this 911 call was made at ten thirty nine AM, so what, twelve minutes after the last one?
0: You know, that guy, David's friend, and David had to be like doing the interview with the cops, giving their statements like yeah it's no big deal I just took a chair and threw it he aimed it at me but I knew my boy had my back <laughs> he was like yeah man I had Dr. Pepper and I started throwing it I threw it hard <laughs> and he ran away you know like like, and that's like they tell that shit every fucking time
1: uh-huh.
0: and I bet you they got laid off of it too
1: they were doing? on their bellies shitting freedom
0: yeah on their bellies eating dirt and shitting freedom <laughs> and they are like so what do you do for a living Well, I mean,
1: scare off serial currently. I'm
0: in between opportunities, Mm -hmm. but uh, last job I had, I finished off a gunman. Oh God! What kind of gun did you have? It was Mr. Pibb. (laughs) (laughs) No big deal.
1: Twelve pack. Yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. I, I, you know,
0: I I was in softball for a while, and I got a good, I got a good reach. Hit him in his fucking kneecap and he was like, What was that? And I had another one. I was like, You want more? And he was like, Fuck no. And he ran <laughs> out. And I ran up to my buddy and he was like, I had the chair. I ran up to my buddy with the chair. And I was like, You okay? He was like, I'm totally cool. And then we chest bumped and it was fucking. And then epic.
1: he was like, ow, that's my wound.
0: Man, check out my slap bracelet. Because it was like the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot
1: about the slap bracelets. <laughs>
0: Good stuff. It was cool. We chased him away. And I ran fast because I had my British Knights on. And I just kept <laughs> fucking running, man. He, he, he just ran off. Fucking Crime Stoppers. No, don't, don't don't call Cry Stoppers. Just call my number. <laughs> I'll show up with mellow yellow and squirt. I don't give a
1: fuck. Mm.
0: So, so let me get your number. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you down for the D?
0: You know, I bet you they tell the shit to this day, too. Like a Vietnam vet, too. Like, there I was, dude. No shit. <laughs> like his shots rang out. That's how
1: it always starts.
0: Cashier went down. My buddy grabbed a chair. Like, fuck it, 300. He was like, this is a chair. And <laughs> threw it. <laughs> and I was like, what am I going to do? And I saw Coca-Cola. And I was like it's classic <laughs> I fucking threw it at him and I hit him in his face and then I took a Mountain Dew can and I threw it and hit him in his bitch ass chin and he ran off and I was like you better run everyone's like yeah grandpa we know <laughs> shut up
1: yeah yeah
0: like with their date like grandpa tells a story every fucking five oh, minutes cause it's he's fucking crazy he's doing it again Jesus Christ every time he adds a different flavor of cola we don't know why
1: tab <laughs> tab ah. tab cola
0: don't I hit him in the temple with an RC can I made that bitch forget math you know back in the 80's those were hard cans too uh-huh. you know, those things could hit you and do some fucking damage yeah oh man good times <laughs>
1: So, uh, like I said, this call was made at 10.39 a.m. And once again, Ronald was already gone when police arrived. It's not exactly known what motive he had for shooting Roberta and David, other than the fact that they just happened to have worked there with him previously.
0: Oh, I forgot about that with David, too. That got him even more pussy. He was like, check out my gun wound.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I held him off with a chair. What'd
0: you fight back with, chair? (laughs)
1: <laughs>
0: Tell him the story, Steve. There I was. No shit. With <laughs> um, a red fago.
1: <laughs> big red. Big red.
0: <laughs> and the big three liter bottles. Oh, Lord. I saw one of those at the dollar store.
1: It might have been from the 80s. Maybe. It was at the dollar store. Yep. <laughs> well, David and Roberta both survived, even though they'd been shot. The last call about a shooting that day came in at 1048, so once again, just about 10 minutes apart, from the Woodline Motor Freight Company, the place where Ronald had worked with Kathy Kendrick and had begun making advances at her.
0: You know, this is going back, whatever what we wrong about the entire thing, and they don't brag about it, they treat it like the movie Seven, They're like,
1: she was just, she was just sitting on the bed, you know, like, they do it like that, he can't drink Coke ever again.
0: I was looking at I was looking at the Vienna sausage, and then I just heard it sound like popcorn. Loud, 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 loud popcorn. And then, and then all I saw was I just I just had Mellow Yellow next to me. And I was like, there's my friend David. I said, oh, Lord, Jesus, baby, Jesus. And then I just grabbed Holy Can and I threw him. I don't even know what I was thrown at. murder went down. I don't know what was happening. Oh, God, I'm peeing myself again. Oh, I'm peeing myself. Oh, no. <laughs> For like two years after, every time he takes a shower, it's a rape shower where he's like holding his knees and rocking back and forth. You know, he's like, "Oh my god, oh my god!" All I had was cans. He had a forty-five. All I had was cans. Oh my god! He always has a can on him. He has a holster, a good one, a good nylon holster. Ooh, he's ready to go. Fancy. In the other pockets, like a slingshot. He's <laughs> like, "Fucking think it over." I know what you're thinking. Did he fire three cans of soda or just two? Do you feel lucky, punk? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, go ahead. I won't interrupt you. Go ahead.
1: That's all right. So, as I said, this came from the Woodline Motor Freight Company, where Ronald had worked with Kathy. Ronald had been an accounts receivable clerk and Kathy a secretary. Ronald's supervisor there was Elaine Joyce Butts, McNuttian butts.
0: (laughs) We need to go to Arkansas. There's funny people there.
1: (laughs) Well, Elaine had admonished Ronald while he was working there for his actions towards Kathy and told him to cut that shit out.
0: Knock it off!
1: Knock it off,
0: crazy punk. Crazy kid with your crazy rock music and your pegged jeans and your acid wash jeans and your Def Leppard shirt. Knock it off!
1: Your slap bracelet.
0: Your slap bracelets. (laughs)
1: So the morning of the twenty eighth, Ronald calmly walked into the business and up to Elaine's desk without saying a word.
0: It was like, do you hear a new Nelson album," and she was like, "No." Then what do you do?
1: So he walked up without saying a word.
0: Oh fuck! You didn't go with me on that.
1: No, I literally just said he didn't say anything, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> Instead, he raised a pistol and shot her twice at close range. Once in the head and once in the chest. After shooting Elaine, still calm, he walked into an enclosed office nearby and shut and locked the door behind him. I bet he is calm. He's getting pretty good at this. Yeah. The female employee that was hiding in the office, Vicki Jackson, was someone that Ronald actually knew. He put the gun to her head as he grabbed her arm and pulled her up, but he told her he wasn't going to hurt her. He instead offered her a chair and a cigarette. Have a seat. Want to smoke?
0: You know, all he would have to do is be like, I killed everybody today. I killed everybody. I'm not going to hurt you. I'd be like, Ronald, thank you. I believe you.
1: <laughs> well, he ended up dropping the gun he was holding to his side and offered the other gun to Vicki and she was so scared and startled didn't know what to do. She was just like, no, that's okay. You you can have it.
0: And he was like, no, take it. There's some guys outside with some cans of Coke, and they will fucking beam you with it.
1: They will murder you.
0: See this whelp? Wait. See it? Wait. Look in the light. See it? Yeah. My hands are sticky. You
1: could see it like 10 minutes ago, <laughs> my, I promise.
0: My hands are sticky. You get the sticky guns. <laughs> Where's your sink? I need, I need
1: to do this. No, he uh, decided to ask her, why didn't you visit me at the mini-mart? He's just, like, shooting the shit with her. Like nothing happened. Here, have a cigarette. That poor girl's, Why didn't you ever come see me? That poor girl's like, fucking, I don't know, I fucking, what? Well, she explained that he never seemed to be working when she went. He then told her to just call the police. He said, quote, I've done what I wanted to do and now it's all over. I've gotten everybody who hurt me. End quote. He proceeded to sit there patiently, and when the Russellville police arrived this time, Ronald was still there. <laughs>
0: he sat down patiently and looked at her, it was like, "Oh man, you seen Tron? <laughs> I hear Gremlins is pretty fucking good. I heard it's a Christmas movie. It's Christmas time too. What are you doing tomorrow? Nah, 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 nah. nah. The cops are here. Sorry."
1: gonna have to take a rain check on that one
0: fucking rain check on that movie double guns (laughs) (laughs) i'm not gonna shoot you double gun
1: (laughs) don't worry these are only fingers baby
0: if you ever come and visit me don't drink soda i will i will freak out
1: (laughs) he was fully cooperative (laughs) and surrendered to the police paramedics rushed Elaine to the hospital and she managed to live oh good police took ronald's two guns for evidence one of them sticky
0: and <laughs> determined, he was a fucking lousy shot. Damn near everybody he shot outside of the house. Well, lived. it was a twenty-two. Uh yeah.
1: I mean, unless you're really aiming at the right spot with a twenty-two, you m- probably won't kill them.
0: You'll probably just wake up pissed.
1: Twenty-two is an itty-bitty, itty-bitty gun.
0: This is like a twenty-two long rifle. They that'll do damage.
1: Yeah, they ended up taking an H&R twenty-two with a three-inch barrel, or a Saturday Night Special, as they're commonly known. And a Ruger 22 with a nine and a half inch barrel.
0: I thought Saturday Night Special was a 38 revolver snub nose.
1: According to the research I did, they <sighs> said that this H&R 22 with a three inch barrel was called a Saturday Night Special. I'll be damned. But a 22 with a nine and a half inch barrel—it's
0: more powerful. I think it would be more powerful. The, yeah, the, that the just rifling seems like barrel, it would
1: be very, very long very compared unwield- to the body. Very unwieldy of a, for sure. Yeah. I was kind of shocked when I read that. It might not be more powerful, but it'd be more accurate. Yeah. Only after being booked into jail would police find out about Ronald's slain family members still lying on the property. So he could have gone out and shot all these people and been gone before the cops got there, and nobody would have been any wiser about his family laying up at the house dead on Mockingbird Hill. That's the only reason they found out.
0: Nobody would smell him either because of the kerosene, apparently.
1: (coughs) Yeah. And, uh, since this was late December, I would assume the ground was too hard that he couldn't have covered them back up. So they were just laying open in a ditch. Yeah. So until somebody got man enough to venture up that long driveway with all the no trespassing signs and the concrete and barbed wire, they probably wouldn't have been found for a while.
0: You know what's crazy as they have all the pictures on the wall and one of the tent shows up with the red string. He's like, stop, just don't. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we got it. Just go put that away they're for all, later. They're all right here. Yeah, we, we, we got and it. And a
1: few inside and there.
0: It goes and leads to him. Yep. We got it.
1: <laughs> Ronald would not say a word to authorities. According to Sheriff James Bolin, the only time Ronald even showed any emotion was when the sheriff mentioned the murdered family members and Ronald's lower lip slightly quivered. That was about it. He was transferred to the Arkansas State Hospital in Little Rock, Pulaski County for evaluation to see if he was competent to stand trial for the 16 counts of murder he was charged with. He was declared sane and the trials were set. He would be tried for the two murders in Russellville first and then tried for the family's murders in a separate trial. I think because they had so many people that could physically ID him and say yes that's the shooter they wanted to ...get those convictions done first. Because even though there were a bunch of dead bodies at his house... You can at
0: least get him convicted while you work on the other ones, right?
1: Even though they were pretty sure they could get him convicted on the family murders, there was no eyewitness. So I think they wanted to get those two out of the way first. So in May of 1988, Ronald Simmons was found guilty for the murders of Kathy Kendrick and J.D. Chaffin... And Judge John Samuel Patterson sentenced him to death by lethal injection and 147 years.
0: Because it so matters.
1: Because <laughs> those extra 147 years are really going to sock it to him after he's sentenced to death.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're sentenced to death and 147 years. So take that, Mr. Man.
1: Yeah. Ronald made this statement under oath at the sentencing. Quote, I, Ronald Gene Simmons Sr., want it to be known that it is my wish and my desire that absolutely no action by anybody be taken to appeal or in any way change the sentence. It is further respectively requested that this sentence be carried out expeditiously. End quote. He wanted the death penalty and he right. wanted it now a hearing was held regarding Ronald's competence to waive any further proceedings, and it was decided that his decision was, quote, knowing and intelligent, so no further appeals were brought forth by the courts. But a Catholic priest, Father Louis J. Franz, who counseled inmates at the prison, petitioned the Supreme Court to be able to put forth an appeal on Ronald's behalf. He was quickly shut down, having no such right to do so. Just like, You don't know this fucking guy from Adam. Yeah. No? Nice try, fuckface. Don't think so. So Ronald was later tried for the 14 murders of his family members and, of course, found guilty of those crimes in February of 1989. He was once again sentenced to death by lethal injection and he once again requested to waive appeal, which he was once again found competent to do so. Three days later, Jonas Whitmore, another death row inmate, he petitioned the Supreme Court to intervene, just as the priest had done. And he, too, was shut down. I don't understand why these people want him to live. Because Ronald had refused to appeal, his life was repeatedly threatened by prisoners who thought that he was hurting their chances for appeals. So he actually had to be separated from the other inmates.
0: You know, that's what it's really about, too. It's about, like, the every prisoner... I'm not saying I know this for a fact... I might just be shooting it out of my ass, but prisoners care about themselves. They're they're mm-hmm. not they're not doing that to help you. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and I, I even said it myself, and and then later on, I've come to like mature myself to the fact that it's not true. Like the whole like child killers and child molesters and stuff like that. They're like, oh, good luck in prison. They don't fucking care. Not I mean, you could put them in general population. Not much is gonna fucking happen to them. They're worried about themselves. They're worried about their own appeal. They're worried about going to the library and studying up on law. They're not going to do any. What are they going to do? Fucking kill you so they can stay in there longer? Yeah. It's stupid. You know, it. it, what you think happens, like you see in movies with like rapists and molesters and shit like that. That's not what happens in the fucking penal colony. Even the shit that happened to Dahmer didn't happen to Dahmer because Dahmer was Dahmer. It was because he had a beef with somebody else and he got fucking murdered for it.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. So... around talking shit.
0: Yeah, it never... It never... There's no street justice, quote unquote, in a prison. It's a madhouse. It's a rare occasion. Yeah. And odds are, if you get killed, you got... If a child molester got killed, you'd be like... Okay, in real life... Unless
1: it's Brazil. And then they will fucking kill you. Because they have fucking weapons in their prisons. Weird. I've seen it.
0: Don't go to Brazil. No. But Mm -mm. if somebody's like a child molester or... A child murderer or something like that, and they and they get murdered in prison. The first thing the authorities should ask is like, okay, the guy that killed him, what gang's he in? What, what what what's his affiliation? It doesn't have anything to do with who the fuck this guy is. Yeah. It has to do with
1: Claiming territory. Something or, happened. Yeah.
0: Now I did see a video of one guy who was on trial for murder, because he murdered a prisoner, who was a child molester, and and he and I don't know if you saw it or not, but he was standing and he was like he said, yeah, I he do He got sentenced and he was like, can I speak? And the judge was like, yeah, go ahead. And he was like, yeah, he came in and he just kept talking about how he did it. And, and, and he went into detail. I said, mm-hmm. hey, I don't want to hear it. And that's what happens in prison. They don't search him out. It's not vigilantes.
1: And I'm sure this guy was probably someone who was abused as a child himself. Yeah. He didn't want to fucking hear it. And yeah. he said, and he I do it again. Didn't
0: want to hear it. And he was like, I told him to stop. Mm-hmm. I asked him to stop. You know, he kept going. I fucking killed him. Yep. You know, so... That's the closest you're going to get to any type of justice in the penal, co- in the penal system because they're trying to get out of prison.
1: Mm-hmm. That
0: You're not going to get out if you kill another fucking guy, regardless of how wrong that person is or how right you feel.
1: Unless it's somebody that's serving a true life sentence that will never get out and then they just don't give a fuck.
0: There's always that. There's always that one little variable. But more often than not, you can do whatever you want and you go to prison. If you get killed, you get killed for something you did in fucking prison.
1: Well, evidently, these death row inmates thought Ronald was reducing their chances of getting appeals simply because he refused to appeal his own case. So, he got separated and spoke to no one for almost two years while awaiting his death.
0: Which also doesn't make sense because if you think he's hurting your chances of repeal, it doesn't matter. Your appeal is your repeal. That's your appeal. case. Your, your appeal. I'm sorry. <laughs> your appeal, that's yours. You stand before a judge. That judge isn't going to care about the case he just had. He's not going to care about yours. He's not going to care about the next one. He's going to hear your case, and then that's it. Mm-hmm. And then he's going to move on to the next one. He has a job to do, too. He's not going to be like, you know, that last guy in here, he really got me thinking. No! Yeah. <laughs> it's not gonna. That's not going to happen. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: That's all right. On May 31st of 1990, then-Arkansas Governor Bill Clinton signed Ronald Simmons' execution warrant. June 25th of 1990, he was executed by lethal injection Twice! Just, just two <laughs> and a half years after committing the largest family slaughter in U.S. history. No one claimed his body, and he was buried in a potter's field to serve out his remaining 147 years. There's a
0: guard There's a guard there. <laughs> there's always a guard there watching. Just like, to be hey, sure. Hey,
1: you keep it in line! Lights out! <laughs> That's enough of that. Told you hundred and forty seven years.
0: <laughs> I kinda wanna take a can of diet tab.
1: <laughs> and sit it on his grave. And just
0: sit it like no, bury it. Bury it like three inches in. <laughs> just to so know that it's it's in the ground with just you. Just so you know. It's with you right now.
1: <laughs> I, I that would be interesting. I'm not sure where he's buried at, just that it's you know, in a pauper's grave somewhere, because nobody would fuck claim him. Then again, he didn't really have any family left to claim him.
0: He kind of took them all out. It came down to the paper boy, like, "Oh, him."
1: Yeah, fuck him.
0: <laughs> you gonna so. bury him? Oh no, 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 no! I don't know. I don't know.
1: No, no, put his ass in the ground already. And then there's a,
0: and then what's his? I forget his name, but at the convenience store, it's like, "Oh, he's the man that gave me this." <laughs> and then like, Look at the bullet wound. <laughs>
1: Pot, right.
0: I imagine the other guy, like a man with scars. That's just Fred. Every time he pops open a, a can, he's like, you know, I remember that time. I'll never forget.
1: What if that's like the trigger for people that have been in war? You know, where you have that PTSD, <clears throat> and that's the sound you hear, and you crouch down and cover your ears.
0: I wonder if every time he opens Who's that, every time he opens, not every time, but at least that first soda of the day. He likes to shake it off. <laughs> he, no, he cracks it open and does the Heisman. And then he just drinks it. <laughs> every day. <laughs> He's he like, get this out of the way. Ah, all right, we're ready to enjoy this. <laughs> Mom, dad's doing it again. What?
1: <laughs> I'm going to start doing the Heisman every morning when I open my... <laughs> Can of Coke.
0: I would use that as a threat to my kids every single fucking time.
1: I will beam you with a Coke yeah, can. Get out of
0: line. Get out of line one time. Yeah, it's Christmas time, and this Coke, it's got qual- It's got it's got fucking polar bears on it. Don't think I won't fucking beam you with this shit.
1: <laughs> they're hungry. Yeah, they're hungry for kids Total who act bad. Willie really Beam. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it for this episode. Merry, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, guys. Don't you feel it? The spirit of Christmas. Okay. So, of course, we got to go through our gamut now. Make sure to visit us. Follow us, like us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. On Facebook and Instagram, it's Martinis and the Macab. Twitter is martini underscore macabre. Also, join our fan Facebook page at Friends Who Like Martinis and the Macab. If you want some excellent Martinis and the Macabre merchandise, you can visit thegiki.com. It's T-H-E-G-I-K-I.com. There's more than just Martinis and the Macabre stuff there. I got like
0: three other shirts.
1: He's got a shit ton of shirts there. That I got about awesome. 200. A lot. There's a lot. And if you want something, request it and maybe he can make it for you.
0: I have so far.
1: Yeah. So uh, there's couple different Martinis and Macabre shirts, hoodies, pullovers. Mm -hmm. So enjoy that. And of course, we've still got it open to you guys. If you go on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, even on Facebook, leave us a rating, a review. uh, Send us a pic of that, a screenshot. Give us an address. We will send you out some Martinis and Macabre stickers. I sent out four earlier this week. So you guys should have them or they should be on their way. Heather will probably take you a little longer has to go all the way to Germany. (laughs) But uh, yeah, that is still open until the end of the year. We've still got plenty of stickers left. So do that and we will gladly send you a sticker. We always love getting reviews. That's really going to help bring us up in the charts, bring us out to a bigger audience. Makes us
0: easier to find.
1: That's the best way you can support us right now is review, review, review. Five stars, much appreciated. We don't give a shit what you say in the review. You can tell us to fuck off. I don't care. But <laughs> tell, leave a
0: review. Dude, tell us to fuck off and then screenshot it and we'll send you a fucking sticker just to spite you.
1: Yep. <laughs> tell us to fuck off? Okay. What's your address, motherfucker? We'll send it.
0: Yeah, you made it sound threatening. Like, give us uh-huh. your address, you bag of shit.
1: You want a fucking sticker? I'll, I'll you send a you a fucking sticker.
0: sticker. I'll send you two. I don't give a fuck. hmm And I learned about sponsorships. You have to have damn near 10,000 downloads an episode or whatever. We're not. Or a week or whatever to get it. So spread the word because I want a new mattress. So <laughs> just spread the word and then just put on Twitter like hashtag Billy's Lumbar. And then <laughs> I might be able to sleep okay for one night.
1: <laughs> and uh, also we're coming up very quickly on our one year anniversary, which is actually New Year's Eve. And I've got some um, ideas lined up for that. But I thought, on top of covering a few cases that I found, uh, if you guys have any questions for us, just want to know about us, the show, um, let us know and we'll try and respond to those on the episode if we get enough. Yeah.
0: Unless you ask us like our kids' names. We're not going to give those to you. Then,
1: no, you can't have that. It's Nugget and Phaser 765, and that's all you know. That's all you know.
0: Billy and Erica and Sage.
1: Sage! And Pee-wee. We have a cat, too. Yeah, we talk about Sage a lot, but we have a cat. Her name is Pee-wee. Yeah, she's cool. Yeah.
0: And um, Cooper, love the ice cube tray.
1: (laughs) Yes, thank you so much, Cooper.
0: I've used it. And I love
1: the picture you sent us, too.
0: (laughs) I've used it.
1: I saw them in the freezer. Yeah, yeah. One's missing. <laughs> I saw. <laughs> yeah,
0: I used it. And what's good is it's a big-ass skull mold mm-hmm. of an ice cube, and that takes the place of like three. So you just need that one, uh-huh. and it, it chills everything perfectly. It's you great. You
1: get to look at a little skull while you little drink. little skull just looking back at me. I'm like, hey, you. I <laughs>
0: hey, even, you. I even gave it a couple of boops on the nose. I was like, boop. Look at
1: you. Boop. And we have considered, because we've had several people ask us for an address that they could send stuff, maybe opening a P.O. box. So if you guys would be interested in that, let us know. Because I don't want to open it if people aren't going to send us letters or anything. We're not asking you for gifts or anything. But if people even want to just write us a letter or send us a card or whatever, let us know. And it's something we will consider in the, the coming year. Yeah. We will probably be releasing another episode before its actual due date simply because of how close this Christmas episode and our anniversary episode will be coming out. We're going to have to kind
0: of double down. Yeah,
1: I haven't decided yet if we're going to stick on the same schedule we are and just add an episode or if maybe we can just go two weeks out from that starting in the new year. Haven't decided yet. I already have stuff researched for January. It'll be a big two-parter. I've still got to figure out how I'm going to split that up. And I've still got to finish research for the anniversary episode. So, um, yeah. Just stay tuned, I guess. Find us on Facebook, Twitter. Anytime we release an episode, it's always posted on Facebook or Twitter uh, to let you guys know that it's there. If you're a true subscriber, it'll already be in your your podcast app.
0: And I got to get Kate on the phone sometime. Yep. I kind of want to pick her brain.
1: <laughs> yeah, we we've been in contact with Kate and we definitely want to have her on some time. we got to figure out the logistics of it and timing and all that other jazz. We've so.
0: actually, we're actually very, we, we communicate a lot with our fans. Yeah. Any fan that reaches out to us, we talk back, you know, we don't do like the generated messages. Mm-hmm. If, if you send us a message, even on Twitter, I always send out the same, like if you follow us on Twitter, I'll send something out that says thanks for the follow, but it's not generated. Like, I type it out yeah. every single time.
1: And it may take me a little longer. I usually handle the Facebook stuff, but Billy does jump in sometimes. Um, working third shift, working 12 hours at a time is sometimes hard for me to get on Facebook every day. But New Year, I will be starting back on first shift. Thank God. <laughs> so hopefully I'll be able to interact with you guys a little more. And feel free, if post whatever you want on our Martini's and the Macabre page or the fan page. You know, if you find something... Funny or silly, or just want to tell us how your day is going, put whatever you want on there and start a discussion. We're more than happy to oblige by that, and you know we don't have any rules or restrictions. So if you find something absolutely morbid and you have to share it, what better place than Martini's and the Macabre page?
0: Do me a favor, find some cool creepypastas and send it to us. Yeah, I love those.
1: Billy does love creepypastas. I love them. And if you find a topic that you want us to cover it doesn't have to be true crime we cover more than that anything that's morbid or macabre or dark you know send it to us Cooper has sent us I don't know how much shit and I, I have to sift through it all at some point um, so I'm sure we'll cover a lot of his stuff in the future but if there's you know a specific case or uh, you know urban legend or cryptid anything
0: that's more my speed yeah that's, that's, that's more at my alley.
1: We're open to any of that shit. So let us know. You can send us an email at martinisandmacab at gmail.com. Um, you can also go to our website, martinisandthemacab.com, and find us on the contact page. You know, fill in your information, send it, and it will send it to our Gmail. There's a full episode listing that's playable on the website, plus all the music that we use from Phaser 765. <laughs> It's fully playable track list on there. There will be another one at the end of this episode, so stay tuned for that. And can you think of anything else? One more thing. One more thing. One more thing. Uno mas. Oh, Nugget's coming out. What you gotta say, Nugget? He's been homesick today. Poor Nugget. Over here. What do you gotta say? Feliz Natal. If you don't know what that means, that means Christmas in Brazil. Merry Christmas in Brazil? Yeah. Ah, I think so. South American, yeah. Brazilian listeners. Is it Portuguese? I don't know. Can you
0: say Merry Christmas in
1: Spanish? Turn towards the microphone. And Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. My in Mexico. Hey Google, how do you say Merry Christmas in Spanish? Feliz Navidad. There you go. Wait,
0: hey Google, how do you say Merry Christmas in Portuguese?
1: Feliz Natal. Ah, you got so it. it is Portuguese. You got it. Thank well, yeah. God for Google Home. That's what Billy got me for my birthday. It Happy was my birthday, birthday a couple weeks ago. So, yay! Thank you, honey. Okay, we've run overtime on this one, and I am have a lot of editing to do. It's crunch time, so we got to get out of here but you will hear from us very soon and stay safe and we will see you in 2 weeks okay bye bye
0: Bye. An official message from Medicare. A new law is helping me save more money on prescription drug costs. Maybe you can save too. With Medicare's Extra Help program, my premium is zero and my out-of-pocket costs are low. Who should apply? Single people making less than $23,000 a year or married couples who make less than $31,000 a year. Even if you don't think you qualify, it pays to find out. Go to ssa.gov extrahelp. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services.